0: Welcome back to another episode of Better Than I Found It, the podcast that is all things college golf. You're listening to Baylor golf coach, Mike McGraw. Today's guest is former University of Oklahoma golfer and current Corn Ferry tour member, Charlie Saxon. Charlie and I first met way back when I was the golf coach at Oklahoma State, and he had attended my golf camp three consecutive years. Alan Bratton and I couldn't help but notice he was improving with each return trip to Stillwater, Now, just as his junior career developed, the same thing happened in college, and the pattern is repeating itself in his professional career, he just keeps getting better and better. Now, the Japanese word for improvement is kaizen, K-A-I-Z-E-N. Charlie exemplifies this term as well as anyone I know. He talks about how and why he has continued to get better, and even he will admit that although the term has become somewhat cliché, Definitely trust in the process of getting better. Charlie and I also talk about the role his faith has played in his career. Give it a listen. I think you'll enjoy. All right, everybody, let's welcome to the podcast today, former University of Oklahoma golfer and current Corn Ferry Tour member, Charlie Saxon. Charlie, it's great to have you on Better Than I Found It today. Thanks for being here.
1: Yeah, Coach. Thanks a lot for having me on. I've uh, I've enjoyed listening to this podcast and, and all the the guests you've had on, and uh, thankful to be here and get to tell my story a little bit, and hopefully someone can uh, pick up something on that and and, um, and find value in it. So yeah, looking forward to
0: it. Well, I appreciate you being here. You know, Mikkel Andresen, my assistant coach, is responsible for this podcast because I would not have done a podcast if it hadn't been for Mikel's urging, and. Honestly, I thank him about once a week for it because I've learned so much and not just people's journeys or their stories, which are great, but also just kind of figuring out better and different ways of doing things better and different ways of saying things or approaching things. I mean, you are, I don't know, maybe the 30th or 40th PGA Tour player, you know, professional golfer we've had on the podcast. And I'm really excited about what you might tell me today that I I know it's going to make me better. So thank
1: you. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So I want to talk about your unique journey and I want you to tell that story and I want to hear all of it, but let's get up to speed about where you are right now today because you've kind of had, you know, a a tougher time with an injury. And I just want to let our listeners get up to speed where you are. You're on the corn ferry tour, but where have you been recently and where are you playing right now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, like you said, playing the Corn ferry Tour, this is my fifth year playing on the Corn ferry Tour, which is kind of hard to believe. Um, and yeah, I, I had a hip surgery right at the end of last season in September. Um, I just had some a torn labor and bone spurs going on and, um, you know, we had a four-month off season, so presented a, a good time to get it operated on and get to grind out that rehab process and get back and be healthy. So, yeah, playing this season, uh, feeling really good, fully healthy, and uh, which is a huge blessing. Um, kind of had these hip problems going on the last few years, um, so I'm excited to have a, a working body and, um, yeah, really just looking forward to what this year brings. Uh, we've had three events so far, two in the Bahamas, one in Panama. Uh, had a pretty solid week to start the year and um, didn't play great the last two weeks, so Looking forward to getting back going again this springtime, um, going to play in Florida next week. And, um, yeah, just uh, here with a lot of opportunity and hoping to take the bull by the horns, so.
0: Okay, well, good. Well, so you feel like you got no pain right now? I mean, you're fully healthy,
1: 100%? Yeah, I'd say I'm probably 90% back. No pain, uh, no no limited motion. I'm just uh, working my strength back. It's getting close. But, um, yeah, from a golf perspective, I'm I'm pretty much good to go.
0: That's great. Well, okay, that gets us up to speed. We'll talk a little bit more about your pro journey here in just a bit. But I I kind of, a lot of the guests I've had on this podcast, fortunately, I've known them pretty well. And I've known you for a long time. And a lot of them, I go way back, some of them to my days in Edmond, a lot of them to my days in Stillwater. And, and actually, you were a University of Oklahoma golfer, but you didn't, I didn't meet you anywhere that had anything to do with the University of Oklahoma. You you came to the OSU golf camp, I believe, three years uh when you were 12, 13,
1: 14. Yep, I did. Um, man, those are those are good times. I I I look back fondly on that time. Um, you know, I I went with my little brother Henry and then uh a couple good buddies. Um, you know, we'd all go every year, and that that was a highlight of our summer. So we always look forward to. Going to Stillwater and being around you, coaches, um, whether it's the Oklahoma State coaches or the coaches you brought in from, you know, the area and whatnot to help out with camp, and you know, more than anything, being around those players at Oklahoma State, um, you know, that's that's what I wanted to be. You know, that's why I I looked up to them. Um, You know, that's who I wanted to be in my future was a college golfer. uh, You know, playing, practicing, working, um, and and trying to make it as a college golfer and hopefully as a professional golfer and you know, that was really the, um, the first opportunity I had to get a, get an in-look into, you know, what that looked like. Um, you know, golf camp was, it was great. It was a, you know, it was a relaxed environment and, you know, those, those guys were all out there having fun, but, uh, but, you know, you know, when, when they weren't out there being counselors and whatnot for our golf camp, you know, they were out there practicing. It was the middle of their summer times and they had their games to work on. And it was just, uh, it was great to see firsthand uh the commitment they put into their golf games uh hearing about it from their perspective when they talked to us campers um and then uh yeah also hearing from me coaches and and i feel like that experience at golf camp really really shaped me um in terms of you know these guys are here i want to get there and and this is the path that i need to follow to uh to, to get to where they are um so uh yeah I, I don't have enough good things to say about OSU golf camp those were some uh, great memories of, I guess, a little bit of the formative years of, of my golfing career. And, uh, you know, it, it just, uh, I feel like they shaped a little bit of my journey and, in, in terms of, um, you know, you set a goal and, and then you have to follow a process of, of how to get there. And that laid out the process, if you will.
0: That's great. Well said, actually, you played right into exactly what I wanted to tell our listeners. A lot of parents will call through the years and say, you know, I, my son really wants to go to a golf camp where he'll learn to be a great player and he'll learn. And I say, well, hold on a second. We can't teach him in three and a half, four days how to be this tour player. What we can do is ignite a fire or a flame inside him, get him excited, get him to listen to stories about what you do to become a good player one day. We're not going to make you a good player that week, but I love the fact that you said, you know what, It it showed me exactly a pathway of where I want to go someday. But uh, I will tell the listeners right now, when you came to the golf camp the first year, you weren't all that good. (laughs) Wow, I don't, Alan Bratton told me he didn't remember you getting a ball airborne. I don't either, honestly. Now, that's maybe a little stretch, and you want to defend yourself right here. When you were 12, you weren't necessarily an expert golfer.
1: No, I certainly wasn't. Um, I might have done a little bit better than just rolling them along the ground, but I, I certainly, I certainly wasn't an expert golfer by any stretch and, and I had a lot of getting better to do. Um, and yeah, like I said earlier, just being exposed to that, it, it uh, it lit the fire under me to, to how to go about getting better. And, uh, and also being around the other campers who, who wanted all the same things as I did, um, you know, and, you know, we, we were around a lot of those kids for the rest of my junior career, college career and whatnot, and, uh, and got to compete and, and grow together. So, Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun, certainly come a long way since those days. And, um, yeah, and and I I think that that golf camp was pivotal.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear you say that. Uh, we, we always wanted to do that for kids, but we did recall, even though Alan and I may have grossly overestimated the (laughs) top shots you hit that, that first week, but we did notice the next year, you got a lot better. And we thought, man, that kid's improved a lot and he's grown because you've gotten a lot bigger by the time you were 13. And then the third year you were there when you were 14, we both agreed we probably should start watching this kid at tournaments. He's pretty good. And, uh, you know, I guess Ryan Hibble had already watched you play in a bunch of tournaments at that point because we had no chance. But, but I, I, do, I did like watching a kid come back to camp a couple more years and actually made improvement. You, you looked like a tournament player that third year, and it was very easy to, for us to see. Great, great to hear that you had a great experience at the camp. Okay, one of the things I want to ask you about, and this is definitely one of the things I was interested in today. One of my favorite golf courses in the world is Southern Hills. So it's right there in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where you grew up and you actually grew up on the golf course. A couple of things you don't know about this. My dad was an assistant golf pro there in 1953 and 54. And as a kid, I have this image of the story he told and retold and retold. My mom and dad had two children at the time, Debbie and Vicky, and uh, my dad was out playing with the members one day, and he was standing on the 18th tee, and if he didn't win the hole, he was going to lose $50, and $50 in 1953, a lot of money, <laughs> and he hit a driver and a three with a 12 feet and made the birdie putt and wow. and, and got out of the, of the jam he was in, so I have that story of as a kid. I have also a story of going or a memory of going to the 1970 PGA Championship. Dave Stockton won, Arnold Palmer was runner up. But it was the first time I ever saw Jack Nicholson, Arnold Palmer in person, and Lee Trevino, and Jack and Arnie were playing in the same group. And then I watched another five or six majors there off and on through the years. Together around the golf course, I've been around over 150 times around it, competing, coaching, and or watching a tournament. So. It's one of my favorite golf courses in the world. Now, I'm jealous, but tell me what it was like to grow up on that golf course.
1: Um, well, I mean, that that's cool hearing those stories. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I've seen, you know, all the memorabilia and stuff from, from 1970 and, and all the the great champions that have been at Southern Hills, but it's neat hearing, uh, like, first-hand account from back then, so that's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a huge blessing being able to grow up out there. Um, I was I was very fortunate to... Be able to play in practice there and, and, and have that place uh kind of shape me as a golfer. Um yeah, just being in a place with uh, with so much history of major championships and, and elite golf and whatnot, um, you know, it it's hard, it's hard not to get better if you use those tools uh to look to the full potential. And and I always thought I had a bit of a you know, advantage because that that's where I played in so you know, if I could play good golf out there, well, you know, we were playing tournaments all over Oklahoma, um, you know, at, at great golf courses and whatnot, but but Sloan Hills is hardest place in the state. One of the hardest golf courses I've played period to this day. So I felt like if I could play well at Sloan Hills, I could go to these other places and and know I, I had prepared well and, and I could be successful. Um, you know, it just, it, um, uh, the design of that golf course, uh, you can't really fake it around there. You got to, uh, you got to, strategic uh, use strategy, um, to get around that place, you know, it's not just hit it hard and hope. Um, and so I, I, uh, felt like I learned how to, you know, break down and dissect golf courses a little bit at a younger age than I might have, uh, otherwise, um, you know, just, just not just t- taking what the golf course gives you, uh, you know, playing to the corners, hitting the appropriate shots. And then out of knows Hills, you, you absolutely cannot short side yourself. Um, and, and so I, I learned to, um, to maybe play a little bit more discipline than I, than I would have before. And, um, and, you know, we had, we had a great group of guys out there to play and compete against and practice with That and so that was a lot of fun. You know, my, my parents would drop me off in the mornings, um, you know, first thing. And, and we just, we'd be out there all day, just playing, practicing, competing, um, and over the years just slowly got better. And, um, and, uh, But yeah, that, that place is is amazing. And I'm, I'm fully looking forward to uh, watching the PGA championship there this springtime. Um, You know, that was a huge goal of mine when I heard that I was not supposed to qualify for it. I wrote it up on my mirror in my bathroom and everything. And unfortunately I won't be playing. Um, But you know, that's, I know there'll be many more major championships along the way. And uh, just the opportunity to potentially play one at Southern Hills one day, I mean, that would mean the world to me, and and that certainly drives me. So while it would be a little bit bittersweet watching that, um, you know, I'm excited for the club. I'm excited for them to have another big tournament there, and I I know it's going to be a lot of fun to watch.
0: You know, I grew up two hours away or an hour and 40 minutes away in Ponca City, and to know that one of the best golf courses in the world was just in your backyard. I caddied the 1977 U.S. Open, which was a blast. but and And I actually got through the local qualifying of the u uh, s Open one year there, made it in a playoff, ten men in playoff for eight spots. So I have a lot of great memories of playing, coaching, watching everything there. But I want a couple of memories from you. What's your first time you broke eighty
1: what what age? Golly, I was probably I was probably nine or not probably nine or ten. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And you remember it?
1: <sighs> not specifically, no, okay.
0: What yeah. about seventy? You got to remember the first time you shot in the sixties. Yeah, Are you that good. You can't remember any of these milestones.
1: Golly, I don't know. I, I've so my dad he did this cool thing with me growing up, um, and I to this day I wish I would have continued it. But every golf course I played in a, in a golf tournament growing up, he had me go into the pro shop and get a logo ball. So you know, I grew up playing South Central Junior Tour, OJGTs, and whatnot. And every every morning I walked in the pro shop, the place I hadn't played, and I asked for a logo ball. Um, And, you know, I've got a whole case full of all these logo balls from courses that are still in Oklahoma to to courses that don't exist anymore. Uh, But anyway, up in that case, I've got golf balls with, you know, my milestones of breaking 80, breaking 70 and whatnot. While I can't remember off the top of my head, um, I don't have a photographic memory like you do, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, they're in there somewhere. So I'll have to look back on that. Okay, well, that's your homework. I just thought of a story about Southern Hills. Uh, I remember walking around um, the big 12 championship. I forgot what year it was, but uh, you guys were playing this when I was a a little fella. And I'd gotten to know you guys a little bit from OSU golf camp. And then my coach out at uh, Carson Creek, Scott Davies at the time. So I've been around the team a little bit. um, And I remember walking with you and uh, you're like, Charlie, you know what kind of trees they have out here at? At Southern Hills, I'm like, no, coach, I, I don't have a clue. He goes, those are pin oaks, and I, I don't know for for some reason that's always stuck in <laughs> my head. And, and I walk around sometimes. I've hit many many a pin oak around Southern Hills, but uh yeah, I would have I never known that otherwise. Well, they planted all those pin oaks in 1935 when
0: the course was brand new, and they were just <laughs> seedlings, and, you know, because in the middle of the Depression and the Dust Bowl. But um, yeah, those pin oaks are unbelievable trees. They grow really fast and they get very tall. So. Okay, you remember that. That's good. So I was actually teaching you something when you were a kid. Absolutely. It's great. Well, you know, um, again, I think uh, the one thing I get out of that, too, is gratitude because you were thankful. You knew it was a great opportunity that you had to grow up on a championship golf course. You you knew that at a young age, and you still believe it today. Pretty good. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay, college golf. How did Ryan Hibble get you to Norman? Was that a hard – hard task for him or pretty easy?
1: No, it was hard. Um, I'd spent a spent a lot of time around the, uh, Oklahoma state golf program. And, and though both my parents were Sooners, my grandparents were Sooners. I'd been growing to game, uh, OU football games since I was in diapers. And, you know, that's where I'd always envisioned myself. Um, uh, there's a long stretch of time there. I thought I was going to be a cowboy. <laughs> and, um, uh, and uh, yeah, so it, that was a, uh, that was a, that was a tough, tough decision, but ultimately, um, you know, Coach Hibble, um, man, I, it, he just, uh, his vision um, excited me and it just excited me to go to the place that, that I loved and, and had, um, you know, been a part of my life for so long. And, um, you know, I'd always wanted to be in Oklahoma sooner. And that opportunity, it was just too hard to turn down. Um, so yeah, um, going to OU is a real thrill for me. Um, you know, just a culmination of a, a lot of hard work, a lot of, um, uh, you know, a lot of people in my life helping me get there. Um, you know, it's a, it's an individual journey, but there's so many people, you know, behind the scenes, whether it's parents, coaches, you name it, um, that are so instrumental in uh, grow with the maturation as a player and as a person and as a, you know, being able to get to the level to play college golf. So um, just the opportunity to do that was super exciting to me. Um, and uh, yeah, th- those years at OU, um, they, they were a blast. It was fun. Uh, it, for me, it's fun being a, a little bit of a part of a, uh, a rebuild, if you will. Um, I think I was the second one of Coach Hibble's recruiting classes. And before Coach was there, we, we hadn't been very good at all. I think we were outside the top 100. Um, and I think a lot of what excited me about OU was the opportunity to, you know, come into a place that I loved, um, you know, school that I loved and, you know, try to be a part of, um, the teams that reestablished that winning culture, um, at OU. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like to say that we played a hand in that, um, and we got better and better. And, and, uh, you know, by my junior senior years, we had, we had good teams that were consistently in the top 10 and, uh, and I always joke and say that they had to get rid of me before they could win a national title, which they did. Uh, they did two years after um, uh, I graduated. But uh, yeah, it was just a, it was a lot of fun to be a part of that uh, team. And uh, man, I learned so much from Coach, learned so much from my teammates, and um, yeah, I look fondly of that time.
0: Well, and, and one of the I don't know purposes, goals, missions of this podcast initially was to show value in college golf. Mm-hmm. to show it to prospects, to show it to parents, to show it just to, in general, casual golf listeners, that how valuable that four years is, the time to grow and mature, the first time you're away from home. Uh, some of, you know, a guy like you needed some developing and you did, you developed through four years through some great coaching and great opportunities. So you had great teammates and you had great coaching. So I want to, I would love for you to tell me one thing you think would be so significant that you're gonna hang on to it forever that Ryan Hibble helped you with something. I don't know, it could be about golf or not or whatever. Something he gave you.
1: Yeah. Um I think something that will always stick with me from coach is um, man, I've never been around a guy yeah, I've never been around a guy who hated losing more than he did. And you know that's that's easy to say. You know it that you hate losing everybody does. But I mean he took it personally. And but he didn't just stew on it. You know, he'd go back to the drawing board, um, prepare. Uh, for him, you know, preparation was was so big. Um and and that uh that manifested itself in in how he ran practice, how he ran his team. Um you know we uh there there was we were always competing. Um and I, I feel like that's so huge. Um just at any level of golf you're at, you know, we, we came back home and whether it was in qualifying, you know, it was, it was cut to get in the lineup, whether it was in chipping contests, he had this thing that he took from the university of Georgia in his time there called gauntlet and, uh, it'd be these chipping contests around the green with the teams and, and we didn't want to lose to each other. Um, and it just developed a, a little bit of an edge where, you know, if, you know, if we, we all don't want to lose to each other as much as the other guy, we're to continue pushing each other to be better and better. And, um, and it was, uh, you know, it wasn't something that was divisive in our team. It was something where we could rally around each other and, you know, I don't want to lose that guy. He don't want to lose me. And and through that, you know, we just pushed ourselves to new heights and, uh, you know, that's a culture that coach Hibble inspired. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and also just the, 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 um, value of being gritty and feisty out there, you know, it's in golf and shoot in life. Like it's, it's, it's not always going to be perfect you know, your best laid plans don't always, uh, fall out how, how you think they're going to. And, um, I mean, shoot, there's so many days on the golf course where I just don't have it. And, you know, that quitting or laying down, that just wasn't an option playing for coach. Hibble. Um, and he wanted, he expected excellence. He expected the most out of you every day. He gave it to his players. And, uh And because we saw him give it to uh, us players every day, you know, we in turn wanted to give it to him and give it to ourselves and give it to our school. Um, and so, um, yeah, he's, uh, I I continue seeing it in the players he uh, recruits and, and, um, and grooms and and puts out and there's just a a bunch of gritty feisty golfers who who really want it. Um, and, and they're going to give you everything they got. And, so, yeah, those are those are some of the really valuable elements that Coach Hibble instilled in me and, and that I try to, you know, continue to, to use in my professional journey.
0: Well said. Very well said. You know, I think I'm going to, that's going to kind of lead nicely into the next question I have for you, uh, Charlie, which is the teammates. You had some teammates that I think probably, even though you guys are all individuals and we all are, but he recruited for a reason like-minded kids that are competitive or or would be competitive so uh, the same sort of vein i want you to tell me this some of the things that your teammates taught you and i know they'll lead a little toward what coach Hibble just taught you there but but i mean like you had great teammates and you guys pushed each other what are some things you remember that that you took with you to pro golf
1: yeah i I was absolutely blessed to have some great teammates um some guys have gone on to do some some pretty cool things in golf um some guys have gone on to do some pretty cool things outside of golf um i played with abe answers is, is probably um you know the the team ne- teammate of note um in terms of what he's been able to do in golf um and yeah shoot i yeah very similar to what i learned from coach hibble uh, you just learn the value of competing um you know, learn the value of, uh, like it's, like I said earlier, whether it's chipping contest, putting contests, you know, some, some game we created, uh, ball striking wedge pits qualifying, we were always competing and pushing each other. And I just think there's so much value in that, um, you know, you can practice on your own. You can, you can have your own games competing with yourself and stuff like that, but, but actually going head to head, putting it on the line, um, and exposing yourself, um, against another peer, um. I think that's the, the closest thing to, to real competition that you can do. And and we did that a lot um, when I was at OU. And also I learned that, um, man, there's, there's a bunch of different ways to skin a cat, um, you know, like you watch, you watch Abe answer. It's uh, he's, he's unbelievable. He, he hits it incredible, um, you know, great short game. He, he was a terrible putter in college and now he's just turned himself into a very nice putter, but, You know, a lot of what he does is a little bit unconventional. It it wouldn't necessarily be how you would teach it. Um, Another one of my teammates, Max McGreevy, who's, Mm. you know, playing on PJ Tour right now. uh, You know, if you were to write a book on on how to play golf or, you know, how everything's supposed to look, you know, he certainly wouldn't be that. But he's an unbelievable player. And uh, I tell people all the time, a lot of what makes Max good is, you know that the stuff i was talking about with coach Hibble. if there's a you know if you could quantify strokes gain grinding you know he he would be leading the tour in that and uh so yeah i just learned that it didn't have to be it didn't have to be perfect you don't have to have a perfect golf swing you don't have to have a silky putt and stroke um you know you don't have to have this wonderful chipping and pitching motion um you know you, you just gotta find what works for you um and Own it and believe in that, and uh, and just know that that's, that's going to be good enough. And, and keep, uh, and doesn't mean you can't keep getting better within that and, and keep building to something greater. Um, but just knowing that uh, just because someone else does it some way doesn't mean you have to do it that way. And um, and so that uh, yeah, I don't know if I realized that at the time in college, but looking back um, on my college career, um, you know, from having a lot more years of golf under my belt. Um, I think that's uh, that's a lesson I might have taken subconsciously.
0: That is really, really good. I love, love hearing that. And again, value in college golf, why those teammates are important, why they're maybe the most valuable resource a coach can give a player is a great teammate. And Max was wonderful. I've had Max on this podcast before. But before we leave college golf, I want to bring my assistant coach, Mikel, into this conversation. Mikel, jump in there. Uh, you and Mikel played in the Big 12 championship at Southern Hills in 2015, and I was walking with Mikel. Let's do a little reminiscing, guys, right here.
2: We, um, You know, Charlie and I that week, I think we would have been about first off on that last day. We, uh, we weren't exactly in contention that week, but, you know, joining this podcast today, uh, talking to Charlie a little bit before, I do remember us playing together because – um charlie's a member at southern hills and i remember us talking about that so we had a good time but uh, i think we made some bogeys yeah the uh, company is
1: great golf was not so much um but uh yeah it's a it's a perfect example of how humbling the game can be you know going back senior year big 12 championship southern hills looking forward to it for a long time and it man it kicked my teeth in so yeah Yeah. glad i I had you to share my misery with
2: yeah curious uh A little more serious question there, Charlie. What do you Mm -hmm. think about that being your home course? Was that your senior year as well? Yeah. Um, Just kind of building up the expectation for you there. Um, Did it become maybe too big of a thing, or were you just not playing well that week? What was like your experience that week since you've been looking so much forward to that?
1: For sure, yeah. I I certainly think it could have been a little bit of both. I, I, I remember I wasn't playing fantastic but I also remember um, yeah I, I'd <laughs> made it a big deal in my mind I, I you know that had been underlined, starred highlighted for you know ever since they announced it and I, I couldn't wait to get there and yeah playing in front of you know friends and family at your own golf course when there's a lot of expectation attached to it that's a it's a different animal and that was my first experience with that and so you know hopefully i get that opportunity again but um you know hopefully uh hopefully i'm able to learn from that and um and and take whatever uh i don't know whatever whatever i did learn from that in, in terms of how to handle that expectation a little bit better next time yeah,
2: yeah i mm-hmm. think you did for sure because we also played a few miniatures that i remember i do believe our q school pre qualifier that fall was the same up in uh, nebraska somewhere yep and, um, uh, and- Yeah, that's right. Good place actually. And, uh, yeah, you've made strides since, since that time. So it's been really fun to watch you go and, uh, looking forward to watching you, uh, go on the next few years as well. Man, I appreciate that.
0: Well, let's move on from there. Nice segue, Mikael. He's really good at that. He's my engineer. Nice segue (laughs) into your pro golf career. So when I look at your pro golf career, I've watched it develop and it's been great. And you're obviously in a good spot right now, but, um, I think one of the most significant things you did was go to PGA Tour China. Uh, that's a huge commitment. That's not easy travel. You'd go over for three weeks and come back for a few weeks and go over for three. I mean, it was not easy. But tell tell me or tell my listeners about that experience and how it helped build the player you are today.
1: Yeah, that experience was huge for me. Um, you know, when I graduated college um, in, you know, in, I had pro golf in my mind. Um, you know, I, I thought I, I could eventually, uh, be a player that was a uh, PGA tour quality PGA tour capable. Um, but I knew I wasn't there yet. And, um, you know, honestly, looking back on it, one of the best things that happened to me was that first year out of school, not getting through corn Ferry tour Q school, um, and forcing me to, to have to go play one of those developmental tours and, and cut my teeth, if you will. Um, you know, I, I remember Well, I mean, yeah, I I I remember going into that year thinking, okay, if if I can just be better at the end of this year than I was at the start of this year, um, you know, I will have accomplished my goal. I I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't know how my uh, I didn't know where I stacked up. Um, You know, I'd I'd made myself into a good college golfer, not a great one, um, and I I just knew I had to get a lot better, and and I knew that that wasn't going to happen overnight, and it was going to be a bit of a process, and I, I needed to just you know, be okay with playing the long game a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, it was was honestly just a crazy story how I even got to China in the first place. I wanted to play PGA Tour Latino America. Um, that was my initial intention. China seemed way far off. Um, and I, I guess I didn't quite understand how fast the Q school sites fill up. So I signed up, you know, a couple hours after it opened up and I got waitlisted in like fiftieth or something in in Argentina. Uh, so I'm like, well, that's a bummer. Like, can't play there anymore. So I was like, okay, what's my next best option? And um, you know, I was like, well, I could go to China. And so I'm like, you know, what the heck? Let's do it. Um, so I signed up for Q School in Kunming, China. Um, went over there and played, and had a great week and won. Um, and while I was over there, I, I get an email. From PJ Tour Latino America is saying, hey, like you've been uh unweightlisted. You're into the site in Buenos Aires, you know, first rounds next week. I was like, well, you know, like why not? And so I I flew straight from Kunming to Buenos Aires. It was, I think, a 46-hour uh travel experience. I went um, I think or Kunming to Beijing, Beijing to uh LAX, LAX to DFW, DFW to Buenos Aires, and I showed up on Wednesday, uh, down there in Buenos Aires, you know, just in a complete haze. I had no idea what time zone I was in, what, what meal I was supposed to be eating. Mm. And, uh, I stumbled through nine holes of a practice round and I got like a six 45 tee time the next morning. And I ended up getting a card down there as well. Um, so honestly that, uh, you know, it's just Q school for developmental tours, but that initial bit of success, um, and qualifying and having a place to play and and feeling a little bit validated that some of my work in the previous year had paid off. Um, man, that, that, that excited me. And I was like, all right, you know, I, I can do this thing. Um, and yeah, so went over to China. Um, well, I played four events in PGA tour Latino America that spring and, you know, I, I played fine, but for something, for some reason, something was calling me to China and, um, and I decided to throw in the towel on PGA Tour Latino American season. And I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna put all my eggs in the uh the China basket. And uh I sure am glad I did. Um that that experience really shaped me as a pro. And um yeah, and I'm 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 extremely grateful for that experience that I had over there.
0: Did you get your card, your Corn Ferry card straight from the PGA Tour China?
1: Yeah, so I um I finished second on that money list. Um yeah, I uh, I had a There's kind of two seasons. It was like a little springtime season and then we had a break in the summer. Then we went back for the fall and I had a solid springtime season and um, you know, it was building um, and it just, I, I remember I, I, we were in Cheng Shan China. And it's funny, you remember like these little things that were, they seemed so meaningless, but it, in, in the long run in your career, they were kind of things that got you over the hump. But I put myself in contention a couple of times and had, you know, pretty mediocre Sundays. And I, I remember I got in contention that week and I shot a bogey free 68. And while I didn't win, I finished third. And, and that really just sparked me and, and, and it kind of got me going like, okay, like when, when all the, the chips are down and it matters, like, you know, I'm ready to go. I, I can play. And, and I went on to have a great fall when we came back from the break, uh, with that little bit of confidence I gained and I finished in second on that money list. And that got me my corn fairy card. Um, which I promptly lost the next year and had to had to go back to China again in 2018. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, anyway. Um.
0: Well, so I mean, it's a journey, and a lot of kids don't understand that they think they've got to come out and be a tour star right from the start, mm-hmm. which happens. I mean, Victor Hovland, Colin Morikawa, Matthew, I mean, you could go through the list. It does happen occasionally, but most of the time there's a learning process. I remember a really good player at the University of Oklahoma named Kevin Muncrieff. Uh Kevin was one of the few true athletes that I'd ever seen playing college golf in those days. And he was a good college player Could slam dunk a basketball, all of that. But he got out and he got his PGA Tour card right out of the blocks the first fall that he went to tour school. In those days, you could go, you know, you just went straight to the tour school, you know, that type of thing. Unfortunately, he didn't have a year of developmental tour like playing the Nike Tour, the Ben Hogan Tour, whatever it was. So he went straight to the PGA Tour. Every golf course was new. The whole life was new to him. And he had a tough year, I mean, a really tough year. And he never made it back to the PGA Tour. It wasn't long before he wasn't playing pro golf. And I I keep on thinking, what what would have happened if Kevin had missed tour school that year, played a a mini tour and or... developmental tour and been able to test himself and develop just like you've done. Um, I mean, you're on the corn fair, you're a full member of this tour. You've had some years to, to build up to that. So talk, speak to that if you would.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's, that's a great point that you make there. Um, yeah, like I said before, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was ready uh, coming out of college and, and (laughs) looking back, I certainly wasn't. And, uh, those developmental tours, um, played a huge role in my maturation as a golfer. Um, and on, as a person too, I mean, I've, I've gotten to experience some amazing things, being able to travel the world, playing golf. Um, I think I've played golf professionally in 23 countries, which I mean, you know, without those developmental tours, I would have never had those life experiences. I've, I've met some unbelievable people uh made some lifelong friends um and so that's all been well and good and amazing um but and from a golf perspective you know coming out of school it's it's a lot different than college golf um you know in college your coaches take care of everything from the travel perspective um basically you just show up and you know take care of your stuff um on the golf side and on the school side and and a lot of things are taken care of for you and you you turn pro and, you know, there, there's no one doing that for you anymore. It's, it's all on you. You're having to plan out your schedule. You're having to do your travel. Um, you're having to, uh, yeah, just a lot of things that you didn't, didn't really realize that went into it. You're, you're having to take advantage or, um, the, the, those are on you now. And so, uh, yeah, those first couple, uh, those first couple of years playing on those tours, just learning how to, you know, budget your time during a, uh, during a week, uh, how to budget your energy. It it sounds silly, but, you know, playing golf four or five weeks in a row, it's taxing on the body, taxing on the mind. And in college, we'd play one, maybe two weeks in a row at tops. So it's a lot different. Um, And so being able to do that on a, maybe not the the grandest stage um, over there in China and being able to make mistakes and correct them and uh, go along and and slowly kind of piece it all together has been huge for me. And, and shoot, I mean, it's not like I got it all figured out now I'm, I'm still learning um, and, and I will be there the rest of my career, but um I feel like no matter where you're playing, no matter where you are, it, it might, might seem you know small to some uh might seem big to others but there's always a lesson to be learned and um and and just an opportunity to better yourself um so that that's just kind of the attitude I I took to it um you know a lot of a lot of people might uh be bummed out to go play those developmental tours but I, I just think it's an opportunity um it's an opportunity to uh to get better and to, to really shape uh, the foundation um, for the rest of your career so that when you do get to that high level of golf, you're fully prepared, you're ready to go and, and uh, you're ready to take advantage of that. So um, yeah, Latin America tour, China tour, um, instrumental in, in my growth as a golfer and, and as a person really.
0: I think a lot of kids you or young players that have just turned professional need to hear that because one, if you don't have your PGA Tour status, Wherever you are in golf, that's the best opportunity you've got right now. Uh, yeah. If it's Latin America, if it's Canada, if it's China, wherever it is, go compete and compete well. And I've always told kids, good golf travels. So if I play good golf here or there or wherever, it's going to do well wherever I am. But the struggles, that's the thing I like to remind coaches, colleagues of mine, when your team is struggling and you're struggling, professional or whatever it is, You're going to look back in five years and go, you know what? If I hadn't had those struggles, I wouldn't be where I am today. They're necessary. They're just part of the process. So going through a hip surgery this fall, that wasn't fun. You didn't want to do that. But you're probably going to be stronger on the other side. So the struggles you've had, have you seen it that way or not?
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I think a lot of people – graduate school and they see it as this linear path to the tour but you know it's everything but you know i've i've earned status in china earned my way on the corn ferry tour lost my card went back to latin america missed getting my card by one place you know I had to go back to china I got my card again and you know and then once i've been on the corn ferry tour you know I, you know i had a great great year coming from china in 2018 and expecting big things and you know i've had successes uh, i've played some really nice golf on the Ferry tour but I've also played some really terrible golf, some stretches where I've missed six cuts in a row. Um, and, you know, learning from those experiences and in the ups and downs, um, you know, looking back on my career, I, I feel like I've, uh, learned more from, uh, the trials that I've had in my career than the maybe the the high moments. Um, and while that might be hard to see at the time, um, that, yeah, th- those are the times where, you know, I was you re- really tested. Um, mentally um and 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 being able to push through that and persevere uh and develop uh, some of those traits um you know it it just kind of it encourages me that when i face that later on um you know i'll I'll be prepared for that and it's it's nothing new because that that will come
0: (laughs) oh it's definitely there's not a matter of if it's definitely when but So that leads beautifully into what i want to talk about now and something that's really important to both you and i and that is our faith Mm -hmm. and i just want you to kind of tell my listeners how you sort of uh juggle faith and professional life and and how it benefits you to have a strong faith that type of thing so just let me know how that's played a part in your career
1: yeah absolutely um Yeah, I I think golf's a bit of a a microcosm of life, um, if you will. You know, there's success, there's failure, disappointment, and um, shoot, I mean, you fail a lot more than you succeed. Um, And, you know, I've just kind of, as I've grown in in my faith, um, I've just kind of learned that circumstances in my life aren't going to be what determines the joy or happiness um, that I have in my life, you know? and that joy comes from, from Jesus and the the hope of eternity that we have in him. And you know, it's really easy to, uh, praise God, when, you know, when things are going well, but you know, he also deserves that praise when things aren't going so well. Um, and, uh, and because he's using those times to, to shape and mold you for good. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm so thankful for the successes I've had in my life, but as I look back, uh, you know, the times of adversity are adversity or when I've grown the most of my faith um, as a man and and as a golfer. And, you know, I don't, I don't wish for that adversity, but I know that, that when it comes, because it's going to come, um, that the Lord's going to use that for good. And, and, uh, that gives me a lot of peace. So. Well, and, and
0: so he's sort of a partner in your life. God is, he's, I, I remember seeing an article written by Gary player about 50 years ago, where he used God as a partner, you know, playing partner in his life. But let's talk about another playing partner you have. And that is Lauren. Your mm-hmm. wife. Uh she's got to play a big part. I know she's not a golfer, but she's played a big part in this.
1: Yeah, uh absolutely. Um she's she's been uh she's been amazing. Uh she's you know, meet me, me and her is uh the best thing that's happened to me. And it's uh, you know, we it's, it's kind of weird. I guess we've been married a little over a year now. Um it goes by fast, but um it's uh it's just been so fun to take on that journey of uh of, of life with her, um, her to be, be a part of my golf, you know, golf, such a, an individual endeavor, but being able to have her travel, um, with me and, and, uh, you know, to be a part of the the highs and the lows, um, she's, she's been amazing. Um, and, uh, yeah, just having being able to have a partner in life, uh, to, to share that with as well. It's, it's, uh, it's been a true blessing. Um, and, we got a little one on the way coming in July, so that's um, a another another chapter of life yet to be open that we're we're so thrilled about, and um, yeah, just just looking forward to everything that being parents brings and getting to do that with her. So
0: that's great. Well, you just said a little. I think it's a little over a year, is what you said. Mm-hmm. You did remember the first anniversary, right?
1: I did. Yeah. Thank goodness. Wow. I didn't for that. Yeah. Okay,
0: because you said it just a little over a year, I think, and I thought, boy, he better know the first anniversary. Did we miss that one? Okay, Mm -hmm. well, good. I'm glad to hear things are going great with you and Lauren, and and we certainly look forward to uh, talking to you again once you've had the baby. That's wonderful. But So I've got a speed round coming up to end on, but before we go to that, and I haven't prepared you for that, before we go to that, I want to ask a question of you because I look at your career and I think, you know, at 14, you couldn't have predicted you'd be a PGA Tour. You know, you'd play professional golf for a living because right. you can take the best junior golfer in the country and it's still a hard, you know, ask at that point. But I like to ask the question of guys who are playing professionally, what advice would you give a 14 year old? And it could be one or two pieces of advice, whatever it may be, to help that they wanna play college golf and, and beyond. What would you say to them, you know, to help them out?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I would probably say that, um, I mean, it's, I guess it's pretty cliche, but, um, trust in the process of it all. Like it, uh, you know, I, I feel like everybody it's, it's easy to do, uh, at any level of golf you're in, you look at the best, um, who, you know, for the most part, there's always going to be someone who's better than you. And you look at them, you're like, man, how do I get there? And you know, i remember back in junior golf there was guys kicking my teeth in and you know it, it frustrated me because i so badly wanted to be good um and my dad said you know you keep working you keep grinding and you're going to get there eventually and you know some people might just be a little slow learners i, I certainly am you know it's uh, at each level i've been to it's it's taken me a little bit of time uh to get over the hump um whether it's junior golf you know i was not great and kind of finally got there and college golf the same and the professional golf the same. Um, And I think if you just have a little bit of that stubbornness, that persistence um, to know that, man, it, it doesn't have to, it doesn't all have to happen now, but if you keep doing the right things and and putting in the time the right way and going about it the right way and working hard that you're going to get better, you're going to improve and you're eventually going to get there. So, I mean, take from a 14-year-old who was no world beater from by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I had big dreams, I had high hopes. I I, I wanted to be really good, um, and I wasn't at the time. But I kept doing the the small things day in and day out to get me where I wanted to be. And you know, at each level I've gotten to, like I alluded to, I feel like I've been that same 14-year-old who really wanted to be good, but but really wasn't <laughs> whether it was in college at the start of my career, or whether whether it was when I was pro at the start of my career, and uh, and taking that that stubborn mentality and, and being a stickler to the to the small things, um, that that's that's paid a lot of a lot of dividends for me, and, and I feel like, uh, like any young fourteen year old coming up um, that could do the same. So
0: you might have prefaced that by saying it's a little cliche, but it may seem that way because people have been saying it for a long time, but honestly. You just gave a great like master class of how a 14 year old should look at it. It's not going to happen overnight. And I tell that to young coaches. It's like, you think you want to be this hall of fame coach in three years, or you want to win a national championship or whatever, those things might happen, but you just got to keep learning as you go. So I appreciate that advice for a 14 year old. Now the speed round, this is a lot of pressure on you because you kind of have to answer with a little bit of speed here. You can't be real slow. So are you ready?
1: Sure, yeah. I'm I'm terrible at this, but let's go. Okay,
0: now you. I'm gonna ask the first question, but I'm gonna qualify it. Your favorite professional sports team? You're not. I know Sooners. They will always want to say OU football. <laughs> but you're not allowed to say that. What's your favorite pro sports team?
1: Um, I guess by default, then it's got to be the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. Yeah.
0: Chick fil A or Chipotle?
1: Oh, Chipotle. That's not even close.
0: Had a boy. Uh, Remember the Titans or Shawshank Redemption?
1: Ooh. Ooh. Uh,
0: Man, Shawshank Redemption. Nice. That's a good pick. I always like that. Favorite course you've played? Southern Hills. Thank you. Thank you. Favorite PGA Tour player of all times?
1: Hmm. Um, I'll go with two. I'll go with Tiger Woods and Payne Stewart for different reasons.
0: Very good. I actually like both of those guys. Uh, course you'd most like to play, but you haven't yet.
1: Um, Cypress Point.
0: I want to too. And my twin sister Patty played as a freshman in college when she was at Oklahoma State. And I said, "Have you played any good golf courses this year?" And she said, "I don't know, some place out there in California." I'm not. Five minutes later, she finally came up with the name. It was Cypress Point. I was so mad at her
2: because she
0: didn't appreciate it. <laughs> Okay, tur- uh, let's see, tournament you'd most like to win?
1: Um, the next Corn Fairy Tour event.
0: Ah, that's a good answer. Thank you for that. My kids will love that. How many holes in one have you made?
1: I've made three. Uh, two in competition, one last year in Boise, it flew in the hole. I was hmm. missing like a mile, and I slam dunked it in front of a couple thousand people, and it was a lot of fun. <laughs>
0: nice. Well, ju- just the six for me. Don't worry about it. Oh, um man. Any special Ryan Hibble quirks? Because my players say I have a lot of unusual quirks. Do you give me the best one for Ryan Hibble?
1: Yeah, it won't come over well on this podcast because okay. it needs video. But, uh, yeah, he always does this thing when he'll kind of take his hat off and scratch the back of his head. And when that's going on, you, you know something's up, and, and we probably need to make a birdie or two. So <laughs> I'm glad you said that because
0: I've actually noticed that quirk about him. I just never yeah. pointed it out. <laughs> All right, choose one sporting event to watch. OU winning the national championship football game or Tiger Woods winning his sixth Masters.
1: OU winning the national championship.
0: I knew you'd say that. Yeah. you have one round to play, just one, are you going to play Southern Hills, your favorite course, or are you going to play Augusta National?
1: Oh, boy. I'll stick to my guns. I'm playing Southern Hills.
0: Those people in Tulsa are loving you. Final (laughs) question. Dream foursome, you and three other players. They could be a dead or alive. Three other players.
1: Three other players. Yes. Uh, golly, I'll go. Uh, I'll go. My dad and my two brothers.
0: Wow, that is awesome. That's. Yeah. Awesome. Coach, I,
2: I got to get in a, a speed round question here. Yes, sir. Uh, this won't come off very well since it's not video, just like the Ryan Hibble question. But when was your last haircut, Charlie? <laughs> actually a lot of, a lot more recent than
1: you'd think uh i got a little trim maybe a, a month ago but it was uh i was looking pretty shaggy before that it was it was time
2: it, it's looking good it's definitely changed over the years my <laughs> next one was going to be when is your next haircut going to be but um i think we kind of got an answer to that we're going to trim it for a bit huh
1: if my wife has anything to say about it the next haircut will be sooner than later so well like if it. you're
0: smart you'll you'll follow her advice on that number two is anybody my age that says i don't like your hair charlie they're lying they're all jealous okay so well listen this has been a pleasure one just kind of catching up with with charlie saxon but number two it's just been a pleasure hearing your story and your journey and i'm really looking forward to watching the next 20 or 25 years so thank you for coming on today charlie
1: Thanks, Coach. Uh, I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Been been great talking with you and Mikkel. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing you guys here in person. Hopefully, sometime soon.